This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Brooklinen. With brooklinen.com, you can get the high-quality sheets and bedding you deserve at a price that won't keep you up at night. To get $20 off your order and free shipping, go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN. That's $20 off your order and free shipping by going to brooklinen.com and using the promo code BADCHRISTIAN. brooklinen.com. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Uh, three, two, one, Joey. I just want to tell you about the Bad Christian Podcast and all of the good things it'll do for your body. It makes your body nasty. And everybody loves a nasty body, Bad Christian Podcast. Don't be, do people prefer a nasty body? Well, it depends on the context, you know. Like, uh, it was, yeah, I don't I'm know saying. what you mean. This homeless well, I mean, guy came up to me yesterday and kept bothering me for change over and over again. He had a really nasty body. It was just grossing me out. I mean, no. Yeah, but a lot of times you say nasty is a good Oh, man, oh, that was nasty the way he dunked on that guy. Yeah. Man, man, his body is nasty. Woo, look at those pecs. Yeah. Joey, have you ever had pecs? Has anybody ever referred to anything near your chest or on your chest as pecs? <laughs> Oh, for sure. <laughs> I sure, for sure have the least of any muscle or pecs of anybody. And Matt cat, has mosquito cats. bites. <laughs> Matt took off his shirt, and I thought he had two mosquito bites. I was like, what in the hell is that? What's going on? Has anybody pointed at your belly and said, dripping mashed potatoes? Like, <laughs> it just looks like dripping mashed potatoes? <laughs> Actually, yes. Uh, my first three girlfriends. And that's how about the, how about the uh, double standard on, on body shaming and insult? First of all, I'm, I, we're a threatened species, people that like to insult each other because it has nothing to do with oh, like, God, I know. You know what I mean? Like, if there's, if you, if insults now all get attributed to, some group that you're shaming, like fat shaming, is that fat shaming, right. which y'all just did. And what's the double standard of it is, ain't nobody got no problem with, with shaming the looks of Donald Trump. No, oh, I this know. open season 100%. on that. You know what I mean? Right. Now, I think that's yeah. a little bit weird. Like, you can make fun of his hair, his how fat he is, if he's, whatever it is, people make yeah, fun so of Yeah, so basically the rule that... The same people, people that don't not, like any fat shaming or whatever else it would be. Yeah, people people that may not know that they're abiding by this rule, they are. It's like if you really think someone is disgusting as a person and are, are just despicable character, then you can make fun that's of true. how they look. Oh, yeah, that's good. I didn't ever put that together. So the despicable character, it's fair game. But like if there's a sweet old woman in the mall... Right. Who has some special needs or deformed body or something? <laughs> don't you dare! Don't you Based dare on how nice they are, is how, is how it right. works. Yeah, how well I don't really want to. I I don't think anybody though. It doesn't matter. Even if that old lady was mean. <laughs> I mean, a, a special needs deformed body old lady. Even if she's mean, Joey, pretty sure no one's gonna really go after. Yeah, that's kind of automatic. That doesn't have to be spelled out. That's just built into. I mean, why'd you have to go that hard on this? Who is this old woman? Special needs and a deformed body is how you referred to this older lady, sweetheart of a lady. 
But you don't. Hey, get what? She should get to be an asshole. An old lady with special needs and deformed body gets to be a jerk to me. <laughs> whatever, I'm okay whatever, with yeah. that. That's true. What do y'all think about? Um, it's obviously been on the news, you know, for the past few decades. But I really was thinking about this the other day. I was in a plane. And it was the first time I've ever sat with a very obese person. And I really thought to myself. And they like, thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I seriously, I, I seriously, I did not have room just to sit back in my seat. So the whole time I was hunched forward because it was either that or being really pressed up against this woman. And I really thought to myself, I was like, this really is somewhat of a dilemma because if if you're the airline, <laughs> you don't want to discriminate against her and make her buy two seats. They do yet, at a certain point. They yeah, do I think that. they do that now. They're called a person of si- pos. They call them person of size on the show I watched one time. So do y'all oh, think that's size, the right? COS, do y'all think. think that's the right decision? What I mean, do you mean? What if, there's nothing you can do at some point. But what I would suggest is. Once you cross that threshold of buying your second seat, it's on then. <laughs> like once you've once you've admitted to yourself, I get two plane seats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have a you can get a lot bigger without consequence at that point. You know what I mean? You've already crossed into okay. I've got plenty of room now. So that's a dangerous thing once you allow I always, yourself to be the worst be the thing in the world is when I, two I, seats. I, I always I'm I'm very selfish with plane seats. I always try to get a window or aisle. I hate middle or whatever. But no matter what, I literally whenever I see a a big tall guy coming down the aisle, I literally start praying, God, please don't let them be in 32B. Please, God, please, 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 a please, big please tall? do not let them be sitting. Yeah, like it always seems to happen. Like I'm a big guy, so why in the world would they uh, put me beside another giant human? You know what I mean? Like that that that's the thing. Like and I, I guess that's the the, the tiny uh you know, five four lady doesn't want to sit beside a giant guy anyway. But I mean she does take up less room. And so why would they put two giant I, I promise you, so many flights I've sat beside the most massive I've sat beside like six, eight, three hundred and seventy five pound men before, like five, six times. And I'm like, I can't believe it. I don't understand it. Like what uh, isn't our side of the plane gonna be heavier and like cause a wreck or a plane crash or something like that? It's it's devastating to me. I mean do do you think an overweight person has an argument as far as like what if what if for some person it really is against their it's it's out of their control and they have some sort of a a gland that's overreacting and they can't get the weight off or or do you think it really is a practical matter hey if you're taking up two seats you have to pay for two seats there's just no way around this well, of course i mean there's nothing to yeah. there's nothing to that i mean there's not really i don't really feel any sense of Here's the thing about fat shaming. I mean, everything's fair game in a way if you want to. There's some way to discuss it or talk about it. And there's some way to make fun of everything. And that's what I'm saying is it's okay to make fun of almost everything except for more and more things start to sound like you're being like if you make fun of a woman does that mean you're misogynist or just that you made fun of a woman because you are trying to make fun of people and then there's is it in good taste or is it in bad taste whatever but as far as overweight people go you don't need to I mean, it's part of the probably whole fundamentalist Christian thing where, you, where you're always trying to determine as you were just there and the conversation we had recently was the same way. It feels to me like you're trying to determine absolute rights and wrongs where, the, where right. such things don't exist. I think that's programmed right. into Christians, and that's why they're known as judgmental because even what you're doing right now, right. I mean, some people are bigger, some people are little. Some people's, I mean, there's no... I mean, you don't even need to, there's no room for somebody like you to get into anybody's head and make the declaration so that you can feel better whether or not it's their fault or not. Like, I, 
right. it's just it is what it is. You just do you, and if they need two seats, they need two seats, and it might be their fault or not. But that's I don't even think of that as ever a question, and that's probably more me thinking of like a libertarian or something. But don't yeah. bother other people, and whatever they are, it's not your business if they got divorced because they did something wrong, or whether it's right or not to have that third cup of coffee or drink the fourth beer. It's not absolutely right and wrong. It just is what it is, and it has the consequences it has, and it doesn't have you know. I think we're over-programmed to look for, we need to know, is it good or bad or right or wrong? I think that's a weird yeah. impulse. Joey, did you, uh, did you talk to the big person? <laughs> uh, I feel so bad because she wanted to talk to me, and it didn't have anything to do with, with her size, obviously. I just didn't want to talk, and I was very tired, so I answered her questions. But you know how it's obvious when you don't, re- when you don't reciprocate the questions? Right. <laughs> they oh, get yeah. the hint. Yeah, they so get the hint. I I did the whole, whole nine reciprocation, and then I slept. The whole <laughs> yeah, you time. talk about big people. I tell you, if you filled out a survey, and I guarantee this is true, there's three things that you wouldn't want on a plane seat next to you. One, uh, I think large person comes up probably first, most likely. Number two, yeah. we'd probably be crying baby. And then yeah. number three thing you don't want to get stuck by on an airplane, evangelical pastor. <laughs> Am I right? Like that's that's not that's everybody's worst nightmare on the plane is, hey, who are you? Oh, my name's Joey. I'm a pastor, and and you're like, oh shit, I've got three hours. Right. You're gonna try and tell me about Jesus? That, that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. That's the worst. <laughs> that's one of the scariest things that you could ever go through. <laughs> I don't. I, I the the thing that I hate about even flying anyway is just that even you have to start a conversation, and either you're gonna get somebody that. I mean, the chance of you getting somebody interesting and it being a, just a nice conversation, I think, is pretty low. Whenever I usually talk to people, for the most part, it's a very weird or strange or, you know, like, a, a, last time I talked to somebody on a plane, uh, it was a lady who was petrified to fly, and she, she would grab me. She would go, oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah, she would grab she grabbed my arm, because yeah, she was very scared. I thought it was funny, but it wasn't, like, normal. You know what I mean? And it happened, like, I, I mean, on the takeoff, of course, she was very scared. And then in the air, there was like two times of turbulence. And then as we went down, I mean, and she was nice, but she was really scared. But that was a weird one. And then one time I talked to a guy who was just a total creep, weirdo guy. That when he found <laughs> out I was in a band, wanted to talk about, hey, girls, whatever they like. And I'm like, come on, dude, I don't want to talk about this shit. And then sometimes, yeah, I've been in, uh, where it's a pastor. Or uh, what's worse is when somebody finds out you're a Christian and they aren't. And then they try to ask you questions to like change you. <laughs> so I get that I've gotten that one too but I mean I, I I've had some good combos on planes before I mean I, it depends. I don't ever luck out See, I that's never the, luck out that's the thing with me I'm not into small talk but once in a while you get somebody who starts talking about a thing you know so that works for yeah. me both ways I like talking to people I don't know I actually have no problem talking to people I don't know and it is based on one thing. Is it interesting? And if it is, right. I don't care who the person is. I don't care about what, what their birthday is or where they grew up or anything like that. If they're talking to me about they work on the airplane engines and talking about the tolerances of the s- steel strength and how it works. And I'm asking questions. And they're giving good answers or asking me good questions. I mean, I'm good. I don't care. I've had great conversations on planes before. And a lot of times I don't. But, uh, you know. Let those fizzle. I had a plane, a conversation. I told Toby this before. You probably don't know it, Joey. I had a conversation with a couple, a man and a wife on a plane before, where we talked for three or four hours. And, and even in the conversation, I cried. <laughs> yes, that is true. It is true. This is one of the weirdest what was experiences the in my life. Of your tears. Well, it was one of the weird. Where'd your tears come from? I'll tell you. It was one of the weirdest conversations of my life. We were in Kansas City. 
flying back from tour. So I'm dropped off. I'm the only one on this flight. And the airport is a zoo. I mean, there are so many people. And there was this giant conference for a pyramid scheme in town basically, that weekend. And so it was the whole conference. There must have been a thousand people, and they're wearing the shirts for this certain uh, drink, shake thing that they're pyramid scheming on. And they and these are the hot shots that fly to the conference that live this lifestyle. Y'all know how those things go, right? And they're just, they're right. all on teams, and they're this and that. So everywhere I went in the airport, people were chatting me up because it's all, they're, they're super hyped on their thing, and that's all they do is meet people, try to chat them up, and then sell them the thing. You know what I mean? Right. So now here I am in the airport, and I sit down at the bar, and the guy sits down next to me. He's like, oh, boy. So I'm about his vacation home on Maui and what he's doing, whatever. And then he leads into me. And, start, and, then, uh, and then I ask him what he's here and what he's doing, and he starts telling me about the shake. But this guy's first, this first guy's approach was uh, he, thought, he just had an angle on me. He thought he was going to tell about how much money he was making and how he gets chicks and stuff and how his light, he has disposable yeah, yeah. income or something. And then I'm going to ask him about it. He was a CD guy. I didn't like him. But I thought yeah. it was interesting. And I was like, what is this? And then I realized, oh, he's part of that pyramid scheme. Oh, that's what that shirt is. Oh, that's what those people are. All right, on behalf of Tooth and & Nail and Solid State Records, and me and Toby and Joey and all the fans out there, we want to send an especially huge congratulations to the band Silent Planet for winning the Best Underground Band Award from at the AP Music Awards. And this just happened earlier this month. Um, this is really a big deal. This band's gotten a lot of notoriety. They've been on Warped Tour. They're totally up and coming. Well, I tell you what, they're not up and coming. I suppose they've arrived. As many times as I've seen this band and heard their name uh, going around and people talking about it on the Internet, it's just obvious. I think most people know who they are and seem to like them. So I'm going to play a song from them just on the off chance you don't already like this band. And uh, we're going to give a discount for their music, too. So we can get 35% off any music from Silent Planet in the Solid State store for the next two weeks. So let's listen to the song. It's called Orphan. Play, play, As the warfare says, I'll keep my heart and lose my head without a neck. How can I sink with the bellstones to the bottom of the Okay, so head over to solidstate.merchnow.com and type in the promo code LABELED and you'll be all set. That's 35% off with the promo code LABELED, which is a reference to the LABELED podcast, which is another thing I think you should check out if you like Tooth and Nail or any of their associated artists, or maybe if you just like me, go check out the LABELED podcast as well. But congrats, seriously, to Silent Planet for winning this award and just doing such a great job of being an awesome band. And if you never have checked out this band, then all you got to do is go listen to Silent Planet anywhere. I mean, you can go type it in YouTube. Go wherever you want to check them out. But if you want to get the music, get it from solidstate.merchnow.com, promo code labeled. Congratulations, Silent Planet. Anyway, everywhere I sit, somebody's going to start shedding me up or whatever. Sure enough, I get on the plane, and I sit next to a couple, and they start talking to me also. And I got a way sweeter vibe from them. They were sweeter. Um, and we talked a lot. They were, they were Canadian. Uh, they're from a town I knew in, in the, a remote town in Canada that I'd been to before. We just got off into a pretty good conversation. And they were like more like the people susceptible to the pyramid scheme. Like they were really, really sweet, and it seems to really give them meaning in their life. And there's something yeah. I, I don't, I haven't seen this document anywhere, but it is my personal experience. And uh, forgive me, anybody, if I sound like I'm being a jerk here, making an oversimplification. But those pyramid schemes, the people that really get way, way into them, usually have something wrong or something missing or a, a, a 
often a death or, or somebody they've lost is something that I've yeah. learned over the years and mainly just through personal observation. But this conference, this, these, a bunch of people I talk to here and other life experiences I have uh, lead the me that way. scheme people have gone through tragedy? Yes. That yeah, is, a lot of them. There's yes. a common thread of that. If, right. you, if you end up talking a lot, not, not, uh, of course, we're being generalizing That's super here, generalized, there, of course. But. Right, but there is a, a, at least a good percentage that when you meet, like that, the same thing's happened to me. When I talk to people, there's been something that has gone on in their life, and you're like, oh, they're, they're trying to, like Matt said, find some meaning or uh, a purpose, or they're looking for something, and this seems like, wow, you can make great money and meet people and, and give them a product that yeah. they'll love, yeah. and you know. So they, they buy into the product too. Yeah. They so they into buy into it. the product deeply enough and feel like they're helping other people and bringing people in. It's a familial vibe, or it can be, you know. And I think the people that make these pyramid schemes are at least aware of it. I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm not even making yeah. a judgment, but that is, you know, that is the case in my experience. Um, so this couple for, is one. Matt, also, don't worry about offending anybody because anybody you ask, is this a pyramid scheme? They go, no, this is not. No, right. oh, I'm that's not true. Like one of those pyram- <laughs> you know? That's right. Oh, I'm anybody not talking about doing you, a pyramid scheme has right. no clue that it's a pyramid scheme. That, okay, so you can say whatever you want about pyramid schemes. Yeah, you can people, talk as long as you don't name the one, the pyramid scheme that it is. Right. Then, right yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's totally true. That, yeah, they're well trained on how to say how it's not a pyramid scheme. Anyway, those things right. are are. I'm not saying they're for bad people or seedy people or weak people or greedy people, nothing like that. But there's something that appeals that is a certain type of person and it's almost related to other cult stuff or hypnosis or suggestibility or or having definite answers for questions feels good to certain people. It's something about that. There's just something. Yeah. There's just something about it. It's, it's similar to the way some people go into religious stuff. I don't know. There's plenty of social experiments could be done. Maybe have been done. I'm just telling you, it's an interesting group of people. No matter what, uh, it's not just. It's more than just some business thing. It's an interesting social world. Anyway, these people had a story like that, and they, you know, it's definitely not part of their uh, stick or whatever. But um, okay, I'll tell you what made me cry. But first, let me tell you about one thing. I'll set you over the cliffhanger there. <laughs> yeah, I love our cliffhangers. All right, Matt. So you're sitting on a plane, mm-hmm. and, you're, and the conversation you're about to have ends up making you cry. Yeah, yeah. Is, well, and, so, and, and you are like the most most emotionless guy. So I mean, this is this is serious. Well, this is a these good people, example. These people endeared themselves. To yeah, you. this is a good example of how emotions work for me. Sometimes they catch me by surprise, but um, I, they're, they're definitely in there. But uh, and family stuff is a definitely a one for me. You know. Dad stuff, kid stuff, all that stuff. Anyway, they were telling me this. It, this was a combination of what happened on this conversation is they're trying to pitch me, and I'm I know what's going on. I know this is just, and they're not being aggressive. They partly were just having conversation, and I said, yeah. you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna engage here. I'm gonna make this be a real conversation. I'm not gonna just pa- answer short passive answers and let them railroad the conversation. I'm going after them. So I just just for whatever reason, for my own entertainment, I said I am gonna. And I am going to talk to these people. They think they're talking to me. I will control this right. conversation. It was just a game to me in a way. Yeah. Um, and so whatever they would ask that was leading one way, I'd ask them something deep more about them because they, they, they dig at you personally a little bit. So I said, I can do that too. Watch this. I'm decent with convo and you know that kind of thing. So I thought, all right, watch this. So I kept put pressing farther and farther into the, to their personal life and asking them questions with no agenda, just to get to know them and hear what things that were interesting. And so, you know, it was kind of a back and forth thing. I don't think they really realized what was happening, or they just thought I was an interesting guy or something. But you know, we got pretty deep into their uh, life, and they have a, a kid that they that died that they lost that we spent a lot of time talking about, and it ultimately made me cry. Um, 
because I was like we were pretty connected. Like we got, I got, they got really vulnerable yeah, yeah. with me. I got vulnerable with them. It's deep conversation, and this is not part of that. They don't want to talk about this, but that's right. where we got. And so then, and it's like oh, wow. And so I can, I kept connect. I was doing almost therapeutic type stuff where I was, I was trying to see if they would make connections to that and and you know because the stuff seems to obviously be connected and it right. just it got super it just got super intimate <laughs> and and it just made me cry when they were telling tell at some point when they were crying about their kid and talking about their, I don't even remember the exact details or I won't go into it but yeah it was just I, I, you know we just got there you know we got yeah, vulnerable we got crazy. there and it just made me cry on the plane and everything now, now when they they got vulnerable all that stuff did they still try to do a pitch to you? no like no. The, they did, They never even tried to sell you or get get no. you hooked up with the, what they're selling. Not at the end. It was just yeah. It went, it went. It transcended that. So, but I thought that was neat. You know, to to, to make because that's what I don't like about those pyramid schemes is they kind of cannibalize or they're like a virus. They they're like a parasite is what they're like. They they they, and those are bad terms of course. But they kind of take away real relationships and real conversations and commoditize them. It's like the DNA goes into the host and it eats the host's relationships and conversations to profit or move it for the larger organism. Right. And so I, yeah. I yeah, took which, that, which is, which is kind of proven after they have gotten to know you and you are a real person. They're like, well, we can't, <laughs> we can't go. Yeah. There I don't know now. if it was, they can, of course they still would have, and they believe in their product. I'm not even saying they're bad people or greedy or nothing. I just, that's what they're, that, that's how they make connections. But I was able to make a different or deeper connection with them. And I just, man, I thought that was it. Anyway, that was an interest. That was, and I admit some people will get mad at me and say, you're just toying with those people or something. It wasn't that it was real, but it was also an experiment to me. I was like, okay, these people have all these answers. They know what to say for this. I know it's a, I wonder if I can hang with right. this. I wonder if I can break through this. Whatever. So I spent three hours doing that with him, and it was an interesting, wow. play, interesting plane ride. It, it, yeah, I, y'all. I know I have. Y'all probably have too, right? Y'all had friends that are into pyramid schemes, and they like call you up, or you hadn't seen them in a long time, and they go, "Hey, let's grab coffee or something." And then you're like, "Oh no, it's like a bait and switch." Is that yeah. happened to y'all? Oh yeah, on face, Joy, Facebook Messenger will get you. On that. Uh, pretty rare. It's a rarity. Yeah. But it's happened to me several times, and I just feel, or yeah, our Facebook messages. No, Joey hey, doesn't get it because it. he's a, he's immune because from the outside uh, viewpoint, he is in a pyramid scheme already. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Joey is a prime candidate for it. Like he 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 wants. Some he's things. suggestible. Like, yeah. When, when, when we were on the road, Joey was like, "Hey, some guy stopped by his house and said, hey, uh, you need to have uh, uh, what is it? The solar panels, solar energy.' Oh, uh, that's right. Like, yeah. Well, huh, let, interested let, let in that." Me, let me check that out. Yeah, but I mean, you you've done like a uh, uh, timeshare timeshare. Yep. You went you went to one and they they sold you, they sold you. And so I mean, you're kind of the prime candidate that that pyramid schemers are looking for because I think they can talk you into it. Like you know, you they say, I I got super interested in one that's basically like a, um, I think it's called Legal Shield, and it's basically an app that gives you twenty four seven legal advice, and so. Like if you pay, I think, I think, you I think a if lot you pay, of legal advice. yeah, if you pay $25 a month then basically you get, you get free legal services. So you get a will right away. So that's worth your money. You, you know, if, if some guy comes and puts a fence up and doesn't do a good job and refuses to take less money, you can write that, you know, call legal shield and all that stuff. And it's super interesting. What's, What's crazy is the people that have taken And this part, isn't an ad, no, right? It you're sounds not, you're like not doing it, an ad right now. <laughs> just letting our listeners know that you're just talking about stuff. Also, any listeners who are doing a pyramid scheme, hit up Joey. Yeah, You'll be set. Yeah. The people that, that do 
the pyramid scheme, I mean, they are certainly making money because I know some of them personally, not yeah. super good friends yeah, with them. But they are rolling in the money. But I just, at the end of the day, I couldn't do it because I couldn't, from experience, validate whether or not this was a good service. So I just couldn't in good conscience. Wait, was you somebody trying to sell it to you, like in a pressure yeah. way? Who Was that uh, person no, you know they, or no, what? no. No, they did a great job. They did a great job as far as not pressuring me. No, but I mean, I this was a human that was commissioned, like part of a system. It's not just an app. I'm, 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 you lost me a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. didn't, you didn't yeah, explain. It was a you, just said, it, you just said there was an app. So you yeah, didn't tell so us there was a person. Was to, yeah. There was a person that basically what they want me to do is get the A person the app. you know? Oh, right. They, okay. So basically. They ask you for coffee or something like that? Right. Okay. So their yeah, first, we, the business their we don't first, care about. I'm more interested. Sorry, we just you lost me there. I, so and, and yeah, and a little while ago, I asked you straight up. And you said very rarely, almost never. And then you and go then into you gave a, me a three. Lo- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Then> you, <laughs> and then we just went through three. Of them. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Why would you? And then you told a long story that you didn't let us know. <laughs> so somebody asked you for coffee, a friend, and did this, but you said you couldn't decide. But you didn't do it because you didn't know if it was good or not. No, I definitely, I definitely looked into it, and I made my final decision by basically saying, I, I can't sign off on whether or not this is a good service. And the only way that I'd be able to do that is like being a participant for a couple of years. I'm just not going to pay $20 a of month. Of course not. But here's the thing. Here, how about this? Run this through your damn head. Not you, Joey. Anybody. Run this through your damn head before you make a purchase decision. Ask yourself one question. Say, do if I say no to this, will it disappoint the person trying to sell it to me? If so, they have set it up as such, and that is, right. should be a red flag. If you would feel guilty about saying no, that means you should say no, is what I'm saying. Right. That's, that's right. the yeah, indicator right. that you should say no because they're using something other than the product or service's value Right against you, and, okay? You've already been manipulated if you feel like, I want to say yes. It would be the same for a homeless person asking you for change, a pyramid scheme, an investment opportunity, uh, anything where you would feel bad about saying no, you probably should say no. You should, right. that's why. And, and anybody thinking about getting into it, if, if the job requires you to hit up all your friends to sell it to them <laughs> or something they've never thought of, just think about that too. Don't, you're using your friendship to, to turn a profit, and so it, it's tough. And, and sometimes that's okay, but Matt's, Matt's right. If you're selling something where you're going to make somebody feel bad you know, for saying no, just don't do that. But anyway. I, I, was super, I was super impressed with the solar guy because after he gave me his, his pitch, he even told me, he said, my job today is to give was you enough door to information. Door? Yeah, he okay. said, my job is to give you enough information so you can make your decision right now. Right now. So he talked. <laughs> he talked basically for about five more minutes, and I said, "Listen, I have no plans of getting this right now. I appreciate the information. I will make my decision, but I'm not going to do it right now." And he was just like, "Okay." He said, "I'm not a high pressure salesman, pretty you know, uh, kind of guy." He said, "Everybody thinks that I don't do a good job, but typically people will come back." And honestly. If I want solar power or I want to look into it more, I'm going to call that guy. But I wouldn't have if he tried to pressure me and mm-hmm. tell me that I'm making a stupid decision. Very wow. good, young Joey. Very nice. All right. Let's bring on our guest. I'm going I'm to uh, tell you all a little bit about something. Then we're going to bring on old Jordan. He's coming back from the Art of Charm. We're excited about this interview. Yeah, we didn't really but have first. time to get into it last time. We felt like the conversation was going good. And he was like, let's do it again. And we said, it yeah. right on. And so I and think he we wasn't said, lying. No, no. I think we said that a lot of people. We should do it again. But Jordan got off the call last time. I was like, yeah, we, you said we should do it again. I'm into it. So, yeah, let's do it. So 
More people ought to do that. All right. One of the worst things about my life in the past is that I am a bad sleeper. I toss and turn. I don't enjoy sleep. Can't find the right pillows or sheets, except now that's all changed because of Brooke Lennon. Um, I love slipping into my bed and just feeling nice and comfy. And yes, I use the word comfy because it's true. It's the best word to describe how I feel slipping into my Brooklyn and sheets. Oh my God, they are so good. Buying great sheets is an easy way to upgrade your life. The right sheets can make or break a good night's sleep. And that's what I'm telling you. I mean, I've bought, you know, affordable uh, deals, uh, here and there online and never been happy with sheets. Now I'm getting affordable, great sheets. I mean, great price and great sheets all because of Brooke Lennon. Brooke Lennon was founded in April 2014 by husband and wife team Vicky and Rich Fullop on the philosophy that people deserve simple, beautiful home essentials without the luxury price. Brooke Lennon cuts out unnecessary markups and manufacturing waste in order to offer exquisite designs and exceptional savings across the board. And Brooke Lennon is the fastest growing bedding brand in the world. This is luxury bedding, folks, but it's underpriced. I mean, it really is. You have to try these sheets today. So I love my Brooke Lennon sheets, and I know you will too. So go to brooklinen.com and enter our promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com and get $20 off and free shipping. In fact, Brooklinen is so confident that you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. And their comforters are just amazing. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. There's no reason not to give these sheets a try. The only way to get the $20 off and free shipping is to use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. All right, Jordan. So last time you were on, I think I was trying to close the conversation. We ran out of time, and I wanted to talk to you a topic about masculinity and and men and stuff like that and i it occurred to me that uh i think the first time i heard about your podcast somebody said yeah it's it's a podcast where people these guys they help you like men get confidence to talk to women and stuff like that almost as even in the vein of how to pick up women is that how you started Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem that way like that's the focus anymore at least yeah it's not the focus now definitely 10 years ago when we started that was largely the focus because we had started off as a networking show and you know how to win friends and influence people type thing and we found that just guys were just not that interested in that it was kind of funny to see how immature guys in their 20s were they were just like networking i don't need to do that or that's for old people or you know (laughs) yeah i'm already really good at that and i'm just thinking no you're really not i mean you're trying to tell me all these and it's kind of this effect that i see even now where there's a lot of business owners and things like that that say things like, well, you know, I'm already really good at this. I just need to learn that. It's it's like you're so, some of these folks are so far behind the, the curve. They don't know what they need to learn. They don't know what they don't know. And you get this Dunning-Kruger effect where things look really simple. No, I just need more advertising. Mm-hmm. No, you don't need more advertising. You need a better product or you need a, you know, well, I'll start doing this as soon as I have my website up. No, you don't understand. As soon as you have your website up, you're going to what? Reach out to everybody you've never bothered to talk to and ask them for help? How do you think that's going to work out? So we teach real applicable networking skills to people. But in the beginning, it was, yeah, it was like, okay, fine. If you don't care about, networking, then we'll apply this happily to 
meeting and attracting women because it works really well for that too. It's the same principles for business networking as picking up chicks. In many ways, yeah. Tell me In more about this. Is, is are you finding that men are just not confident? Like and and like you guys are able to give them some tools. Nah, it's not just that. I mean, there's some of that, but a, the problem with that statement is that a lot of the guys who are listening to this that aren't confident are going to go who who are truly not that confident. They're very insecure. They go, Psh, I don't have to do. I don't need that. What losers to listen to that show? Those right. guys tend to be the most insecure. The guys that probably need the show the most. Uh, the guys that are confident tend to go, oh, well, you know, I guess I could learn something from that, but it's not too exciting because they don't see it as a problem. So confidence really isn't necessarily the problem that we come across. It's a lack of, it's a lack of introspection. And yeah. there's a, also a, quite a lack of understanding of where people come from and where you are in your own life. And I noticed that with a lot of business owners, especially, and I noticed that with a lot of men, especially, we're afraid to admit that we don't necessarily know what we're doing. So we'd much rather let our ego kind of take over and go, all right, I don't know what I'm doing, but God forbid anybody should find out about that. So I'm going to fake it, which means I have to mm-hmm. not even look at stuff like this that might allow me to become better because that would be admitting to myself that I might need it, which would then let everybody know that I'm not super self-assured, which is a loser mindset. I wonder if that's biological, yeah. biologically based or more just culture-based kind of thing of why men are that Hard way. Hard to say. Hard to say, but really it is, there's a lot of ego involved and men especially are largely ego-driven creatures. So you end up with a huge problem because what I've noticed, just going back to a statement I made earlier, I, well, here's a classic example. My friend from law school invited me over to meet a bunch of his friends. He'd just moved to LA and I went over there to his party and he was with all these great, great looking, successful people, guys and girls, both men and women, both. And they heard about what I did and they were like, oh my God, our friend needs your stuff so bad. And I went, oh, okay. And they're telling me about their friend and he's just got, it's like, he's doing everything wrong. You know, he's arrogant at work and he's not well liked. He can't make new friends because he feels like he doesn't, he's above all the people that he's meeting. He can't date because he does everything wrong in the relationships. And he feels like he's only supposed to date supermodels, but then he can't, even with a regular girl, he's too, you know, it's just not working. And then I was like, yeah, you know, that would be great, but it sounds like he's really going to be a tough case. You know, if he came to Art of Charm, one of our live programs in LA, we would probably have a hard time with somebody like this, but we're willing to take it on if he's really ready, ready to learn and you guys, you know, can help him along in the process. Looks like he's got a good, healthy social circle. That's a good start. And they're like, yeah, we would love nothing more than this to happen. Like we will all pitch in for his birthday and pay for this. That's how much they wanted this guy to come to AOC. Well, fast forward a couple hours, the guy comes over and I'm like, don't, you know, don't force it on him. He's going to resist. It's not going to be good. Just let it, let me get to know him. We'll bring it up in a couple weeks, you know, after we've been hanging out. Cause I, I realized his circle of friends is really cool and we should hang out. So like, you know, no rush on this, he's going to resist it. And then it's going to defeat the whole purpose. Well, later in the night, we're having a drink at the apartment and he's like, what do you do anyway? I didn't, I didn't ask. And I, I said, well, I'm happy to explain. Let me just, I'm going to go refresh my drink and use the restroom real quick. Well, unfortunately, during that little window, one of the gals there decided to fill him in on what I, I did. Oh, gosh. And I don't know exactly what she said because I wasn't there. But when I came back, he was, he was quite enthralled in the wrong way. So he goes, <laughs> oh, you know, Shirley just told me what you did. And I was like, yeah. And I was thinking, oh, well, that's not part of the plan, but okay, you know, good. You're interested. And he goes, I just want to know one thing. 
what kind of fucking losers do you deal with all day? And oh, I was just thinking, oh man, this is going to be really embarrassing when I tell you that everybody else in the room thinks you're exactly the type of person that should come to AOC. But in your mind, it's only losers that do this. And uh, bear in mind, the people that I have in my in my office at this point going through boot camp were like green berets, intelligence officers, mm-hmm. yeah. salespeople from Google, Apple, Facebook, and and people who sold high end computer systems. We had um. A manager of a well-known band was there because he knows that making connections and jibing well with promoters is something that's important to him. And I'm thinking, if he walked into boot camp right now, he would be so low on the status totem pole, it would be hard to see. He wouldn't even be able to see through the cloud cover, you know, to the rest (laughs) of the guys in there. And he's thinking, well, what losers? And I just thought, like, you know, classic problem that we have at AOC is some of the guys that need it the most are the ones that are so far below average they literally can't even see the value. Yeah. It's kind of heartbreaking. It's actually, in, that's interesting. That's funny. Think that's it's funny that the way people don't understand. I mean, it's kind of I'm kind of that way. And one of my biggest things that seems important is communication. Like your your own person and the whole to interact with the rest of the world requires communication. So I just can't think of a more important skill of than being able to be, let's say, charming, or that's just a, a, a type of, of way to uh, lubricate communication, maybe even. But it's like, what else are you doing if you're not communicating with other people in the world? It's just a weird thing that people don't put well, effort or well, time into Well, it's funny, it. too. It, even in this day and age, even when everything's kind of digital and stuff, it still seems like, and this kind of like what, what, what you were saying, Jordan, like, it seems like relationship might be the, your best product or your best commodity or something like having solid relationships with people still is of the utmost importance, regardless of it's in person or not. Because what's interesting about this guy, what you just said, and probably this is what you come across with, with like hard cases is the people kind of like him. You know, they want him to do good. Like he mm-hmm. sounds like an asshole to me, but his friends yeah. like, hey, we, we like this guy. We want to get him help. He and he's friends. the only person in the room that can't see it. Like the only person that can't see it is that. And he is going to not get the help probably. Oh, no, there's no way. Because when it was brought up to him later by the girls, because they were like, we need to have a heart to heart. Because he was just like laughing it off at this point. And this is a few days later. They were like, you really should check it out. You really should check it out. And he... Of course, that that was not my idea of a good strategy because what happened was he dug his heels in and decided, no, because now if I go check it out, it's because you think this way about me and that means that I would agree with you. So if I go and do this now, it means that I'm acknowledging that maybe you guys are right. And so he his two choices in his mind were ignore the problem and bury my head in the sand and protect my ego or go and admit that this might be something good for me and and basically embarrass myself in front of my friends. And he didn't want to do that. So he's still the token. You remember that show Saved by the Bell? Yeah. yeah. He's Screech. He's still Screech. <laughs> Everyone likes him, but he's just like a huge dork and, you know, can't get, a, you know, any dating or any, you know, everyone thinks what a tool, but they're like, well, he's still our friend. You know, that's where he is and where he always will be at this point. Now, well, now, now, I was going to say, now that you guys have, have even moved into like, like, cause male males and females are both welcome now with the art of charm and doing all this. Do you see, is it, is it more, do women struggle with the same ego stuff? Is it, or is it, a no, thing that holds them back. It's, it's completely different. Women come in with different sets of, of problems that they want to get solved. Uh, of course, in the business relationship development stuff, a lot of times that's the same. But women do come in with a different set of, 
of things that, and it sort of, it varies, it's all across the board, but one of the things that we almost never have to worry about with women coming to AOC is ego. Uh, not that women don't have ego issues, there are some here and there, but they're almost never something that has to do with getting help with a certain thing. Yeah. When we see ego issues in women, it's not like, I don't need this, what kind of losers need that? When we see ego issues with women, it's kind of like, it, it, it just manifests itself in a completely different way. Women are, are tend to be, I shouldn't generalize here, but women, especially when it comes to getting training at AOC, tend to be much more open to the idea that they don't know everything and that there's somebody that might be able to help them. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've noticed that a lot of guys can't just cannot internalize, yeah, uh, which is strange. Crazy. It's so strange yeah. because when you think about it, the, the most successful people around, they all have coaches. Olympic athletes have coaches. Professional athletes have coaches. Every person who does a sport has a coach. Most artists work and collaborate with other people or have coaches or have people that help them with their business. Business people who are successful have coaches and mentors. And then you get some guy who works for like, you know, mid-level management at, at bank chain. And he's like, I don't need any help. I'm awesome. And it's like, what planet are you on right now? Right. That's you know? weird. The collaboration is a substitute for coaching, I suppose, you know, but I always, I always think it's super bizarre in the band world. So Toby and I play in a band called Emory and we, we travel and play and done that for a career for 10 years. And I always thought it was weird in indie music or rock music at all. You do have producers sometimes to help you with your record, but it seems so weird that you don't have a coach or a band director or anything like that. It's up to just those people in the room to figure their stuff out. Like, can you imagine a high school choir or a high school band without a band director or a coach? Right. Like in, in choir, you go, Okay, well, we sang the notes in high school. What did you go? Oh, we sang. Did you sing your notes right? Yeah, okay. That's horrible. You spend the you you literally take the one thing, even with it all written out on the notes, and you hammer it, and you do nuanced thing with an authority telling you what you did right and what you did wrong for months and months and months on the same song, and then you go perform it. And I just think like it's obviously a good thing. And there's so many realms, you know, rock stars are are one, but where you don't want to take any advice from anybody or or anything like that. It's a weird thing. It's like the whole culture is moving toward. Don't tell me what to do but I, I don't i mean it seems like that produces some pretty good outcomes in general yeah but at the same time if you look at it the way that bands deal with it you probably don't have somebody who's going hey look I, you know i can sell a lot of tickets for your events because i i'm an experienced promoter in the northwest and you go no i learned yeah. how to play guitar i'm gonna learn how to sell right. tickets yeah. at these yeah. venues no of course not but that's what we because you don't have ego attached to that but men often have ego attached to their social skills, their availability, in terms their social status especially, and that becomes the downfall of that particular man because they see it as some way of value judgment on them. And yet when you look at other people who have coaching in other areas, they're more than happy to do that. And that's why we see this interesting dichotomy or interesting phenomenon, I guess we would say, of the type of people that come into AOC. We don't get the people like this guy. Uh, I don't want to say his real name, so we'll just say his name is Jack or something like that. We don't see the kind of guys that like Jack who come through who think they're too good for this stuff. We see the high performers come through. We see the top guys come through, the top sales guys, the the intelligence agents, the elite athletes, the military special forces guys, because for in those realms, getting 1% better is a priceless right. edge. Yeah. Right. And they will do whatever they can to take it. Whereas if you are not used to getting coached, trained, or improving, having somebody tell you that you can improve, not only does it not represent an edge, it's, it looks like you're being disciplined for not being good enough, even though that's something you're just creating in your own head.
it's interesting too. I've noticed a lot of times with men, uh, the same thing, which it, here's what blows my mind. Men are really capable of working together, like in a, a hierarchy, like that's the boss. I, I, I work for him and then, and they can do that. But you're right. There's sometimes this ego gets in and kind of even using the example you were talking about, like the mid-level bank guy for him to say, I need help then really acknowledges his station in life. I am just a mid-level bank guy. And then, but if, if he mm-hmm. never acknowledges it and allows his ego to get bigger, then he goes, no, I'm the best at this. And I'm, you know, and you get that whole idea. I, I see a lot of this. Uh, I do some men stuff too. I do an event called the true man experience, but I can see a lot of times ego, uh, is really affected in your youth. Like guys that like blew their load in, in high school. Like they were yeah, the, the quarter. They, yeah. They were the core. Quarterback, or you know, a lineman. They all got everything, and then they never got out of their town or whatever, and they just ended up working whatever some some job that they are maybe even more than capable of working, and then they just can't get out of it because they were the quarterback. They were everybody loved them and all this <laughs> stuff, and now they're nothing. Do you, do you ever see that? Like people who can't get past like their history. Occasionally, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times those guys suffer from the ego issue because remember, the ego is there to protect us from certain things that may no longer be dangerous, but often we end up protecting our own ego. So instead, which is the other way around, it'd be like if instead of wearing a bulletproof vest, you dove in front of a bullet so it didn't hit the vest. You'd never do that, right? Right, right. But but with our egos, it's somehow perfectly acceptable. So we do sometimes see those guys, but it tends to be after they've had some failures that they just can no longer ignore. So we get some guys that come through and they're on their first divorce or their, you know, their marriage is falling apart or maybe not their first divorce or they're working somewhere and they haven't gotten promoted for five years and people who they hired are getting promoted up around them and they go, okay, I can no longer ignore this problem without the evidence weighing on me so heavily that it's it, the cognitive dissonance is no longer functioning mm-hmm. as, as it should. Right. It's like a rock the, bottom moment. And, and, yeah. yeah. And and it's not like some of these, it's not like, again, these guys aren't losers. They're working at Amazon. They're making 350 grand a year or something like that coding. And they realize, oh, I hired this kid five years ago and now he's on the same level as me or he's my boss. Like what's happening here? And they, their manager goes, remember how the last 14 performance reviews, we've talked about your skills and your management skills and your people skills and your project management skills. Hello. This is what we're talking about. You're a great coder. You can retire here right at the level where you are now or below, but you're never going to move up. You got to figure this stuff out. And and they try to train these people through management initiatives. But what a lot of companies do is they screen for people who are going to be good at management or they screen for people who are going to be good at sales mm-hmm. because it's easier just to hire the people who have oh, developed yeah. the skills along the way than it is to train someone. So they have management training programs and management development programs, but at some level, there's still a firm belief, even in the military, even in corporate land, the corporate world, that some people kind of are just better at this than others. And that it's true that some people are kind of better at this than others, but it's not true that it's a a natural phenomenon that some people are naturally better at it. It has to do with the fact that some people learned this or are are or have been in an environment that's conducive to learning this. And it, that's even true with school. So when you look back and you think, man, there were these kids in my high school, they were so charismatic and cool, and they ended up being the captain of this team and the debate team and the school student council. Those people may have had what looks like natural charisma, but if you zoom out far enough on the timeline, and stop me if I said this last time we talked, but if you zoom out far enough on the timeline, you find the environmental factors 
Yeah. You find the societal factors. So all the charismatic people that I thought were so amazing in high school, when I look back at elementary school, I go, okay, Matt was so cool in high school and popular and everyone loved him. Well, he was kind of like that in middle school and elementary school too. Well, he has older brothers and his older brother and sister, uh, older brother and sister, they had people over to the house all the time because they had a big house and they had a pool. So he was around older kids all the time Mm -hmm. and the older kids always played with him. So he kind of got a glimpse of how it works when you're older and more mature. So he was more mature, which made him a little bit nicer since he was nicer to everyone. Everyone liked him. Since everyone liked him, he'd learned that that was a good way to treat people that made him popular over the next few years. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't afraid of women because he grew up hanging out with women in bathing suits in his backyard 10 years before any of us did. So we were all scared to death of these ladies and he'd been hanging out with them since he was seven. So that's really why he appeared to be this naturally charismatic, fun, carefree guy, but it's not really natural. That's where he was brought up. That's how he was brought up. Very few of those people have pencil pusher parents, you know, like pocket protector, very quiet, reserved, introverted parents is not, you know what I mean? Like they just exposure to it. The biggest one I've ever seen to me, the most uh, crazy environment. I grew up in the South. And if you go play golf, if I go play golf with my dad and his friends from the age of 8, 10, 15, I mean, these are charming boisterous men telling jokes that have 50 years of like breaking down social things and being funny and getting the laugh and doing when they're all standing around on the driving range or the green and hanging out it's just it's just so unbelievable to see that and feel like man i could never talk on that level i'm the dumb idiot they they're so good just the exposure to that seems to be uh really good for social skills it's a massive advantage imagine if you were hanging out with men like that your whole life Mm -hmm. that in a group and maybe you were i don't know but most guys were not most guys their dad was uh, that i know their dad was head down working or wasn't around or hung out with his friends separately from the kid very rarely do you find yeah you know my dad and i used used to take me with him and his friends and i was the kid and i grew up fast i had a beer when i was eight years old and then they never let me drink again and then when i stole such and such Four men beat my ass instead of just one. And it's like, and four guys were disappointed in me. And four, like they're uncles, you know, it's a close family structure. And there's a reason that a lot of times people who grow up in a really positive family environment with a lot of positive male role models around are more socially well adjusted. Um, There's also a lot of reason why men who grew up with no male role models, but a lot of positive female role models are well-adjusted in some ways, but terrible in other ways, especially when it comes to do with relationships. There are reasons for this, and that's one of the reasons that the old wisdom is it takes a village to raise a child. That village isn't just a bunch of guys. It's not just a bunch of women who are sitting around uh, during the day raising a kid while the men are gone or drinking or whatever. It really does take a huge amount of influence that is mostly done in a proper balance. It's a delicate way to raise a, a child, but it's kind of the best way to do it, mm-hmm. really. So Jordan, how, how do we appreciate masculinity and be, social, and be politically correct too? And what I mean by that is if we emphasize the importance of having good male influence as a kid, are we being offensive to the LGBT community, for instance, uh, two lesbians that want to raise a kid, do they say, we, we can, we can fill those needs too. You know what I'm saying? That's just like, everybody's so sensitive. And so how can we even appreciate masculinity when everybody's walking on eggshells? Yeah, this is interesting because I, I am a firm believer that 
same-sex parents can raise great kids. Yeah. Uh, I know. I don't know. I know that's controversial everywhere. I don't really care, actually. But I'm just saying that I'm a firm believer that the most important ingredient in raising healthy kids is a loving home environment, regardless mm, yeah. if it's two dads or two moms or some some other new right. agey combination. That part it matters far less because they don't have to be your parents. There are plenty of kids I know that were raised by the single mom and the mom's sister or the mom's yeah. mom, but the neighbor kids were really nice and set a positive example, or they had cousins that were around all the time or even uncles, whatever. It, yeah. it really doesn't matter. So that I would say you're only running into dangerous territory if, yeah, you're being raised by two dads and also there's no other relatives around at all. So you have never have a, any kind of other positive role model or influence and they keep you locked in a basement, right? Like that would be yeah, bad. Right. That would be right. objectively not as good. But I think if you, if, if you're a, a gay couple and you're raising a kid and there's positive role models all around, um, in addition to you as parents, then fine. Who cares what your sexual now, preference when, is? I feel like it's such a minor part of raising right. a kid. Now, when when you say other influences, are you highlighting the importance of having a female influence in addition to two dads, or having? Uh, I think I think so. Uh, again, though, look, this part, I I would say the science is the jury is still out. Yeah. In my opinion that is based on anecdotal evidence only when it comes to this specific thing, right. I would say it's probably a damn good idea for a young girl or a young guy to have both male and female influences regardless of the gender or sexual preferences of the parents. Right. Just because modeling people that do a great job being good people uh, that look like them or look like people they should they want to meet and be with and partner up with, that's so important. So yeah. if... I mean, I guess in some some sort of extreme example where it's like two uh, homosexual dads are raising a kid and the kid turns out to be also gay, then yeah, great. You had two great role models for a right. functional relationship. But if you're raising a, a child and it's a, a female, she needs to learn how to be a, a woman in, in by looking at good examples of that or raising a straight male uh, child, it probably helps for them to have a balanced view of those things. I'm not saying that those parents are lacking something. I'm just saying that no one person, in fact, right. not even a, a regular, heterosexual, regular heterosexual couple has everything that one child needs. I right. think it's important yeah. to have multiple oh, positive influences regardless. Which uh, is, yeah, a, I think even, uh, which even is regardless, a, of, regardless of sex and stuff like that, you have to, to be a good parent, expose your kid to as much stuff as possible. Regardless of sex, you, you want your kid to be exposed to the arts and sports and reading and writing. I mean, anything, any education that you want to expose your kid to the most that you can. That's where I feel like I, my parents dropped the ball. I mean, of course, I, I had two heterosexual parents, but they kept me from everything. Everything was like almost like I grew up super conservative Christian mm. and everything was scary. So anything like, you know, not even drinking alcohol, alcohol itself was a sin <laughs> is the way I grew up. A, sin, you know, not a even, sinful it, organic it, compound. Yeah. Right. If you, if you drink it, then it's yeah. double whammy time. You go straight <laughs> to hell, you know, but I, I think that's, that's a good point to make. Like, I, I do think that sometimes I do believe in this, in this time frame we live in right now, there's a little bit of masculinity is dangerous. And I even understand that to an extent where. Like masculinity has caused a lot of problems in this world. Men have caused a lot of problems in this world, like you know, for wh whether it be from war to finance to whatever you want to say. But like you were saying, Jordan, I, I really do agree. It is very valuable. And the idea of like cultures really did used to put a little bit higher emphasis on 
the older man and that he was a part of your life and he was a part of your your youth and your growing up and 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 it wasn't just like you said it really was more like a village like hey you could get in trouble with your granddad you could get in trouble with your uncle or something like that they could hey what are you doing kid get over here and that that really did i feel like more not anymore used to set us up uh, a little bit better for dealing with others in future relationships but as kids now grow up it does feel maybe i, I don't know it I do wonder, is masculinity becoming more dangerous of an idea to people? Like, it, w- w- I don't know what the future looks like with that, but it seems in some ways people are a little bit fearful of what a man is. And, and, well, because and what it's is hard it? to define. It's, it's hard to define. Because in the South, we're stuck in this mentality of it's, it's a guy that shoots deer, watch sports, and is rough around the edges. I mean, 40 that, hours a week and sometimes comes home exactly. and drinks light, light beer. So that's the problem we come in into contact with is just, I I believe, overgeneralizing and a stereotype of masculinity. I mean, Jordan, you had to have come into contact with people that come to you wanting to be masculine. And you're probably like, you are. You're just you're just not in the category that the world says. Absolutely. There's a lot of you know, what's funny is a lot of the guys that come in wanting to be masculine are absolutely perfectly normally masculine and then we'll get a uh, a guy that comes in and i'm thinking like oh i'm pretty sure this guy's closeted and gay or you know maybe not closeted but just in the in sort of the we just met it's none of your business jordan what i you know and i'm like cool with that uh those guys never seem to go i need to be more masculine they're just like fine with it right it's right. the guys who are like they roll in and they do powerlifting and they've got 7000 guns and i'm thinking like okay you're the most masculine guy I know, but then you realize, oh, a lot of this is overcompensating for something in their childhood that made them feel like they're not masculine enough. And yeah. sure enough, when we we do a lot of deep digging when guys come to boot camp, and some of the deep digging revolves around like, oh, you know, my dad always made fun of me for being this, so now I'm the opposite of that to the right. point of caricature. Yeah. Or I've always felt like I got uh, I know a guy that was bullied when he was a kid and now he is the biggest asshole in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody right. I dislike more <laughs> than this person. It's so sad because I generally love almost everybody but I find it I it it it's so much work for me to find anything about this person that's redeeming at all. And it's just uh, he's a horrible horrible individual on so many levels and I I just can't help but think, man, if people were nicer to you as a kid and if you'd had a better probably male role model that would have helped you cope with some of the 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 shit you went through yeah you would have been just a positive like i, I if he's he's a net negative to the world right now as he stands and it's sad Why, do y'all think do y'all think that uh men in general have a better sense for fakeness and other men like if if the four of us were at a party and I and you know just a little bit that I know of you, Jordan. Uh, I think you'd be right there with us. We could look at a guy who's hanging out with uh, his girlfriend, and we could see how he's interacting. And all all four of us would be that dude is super insecure. He's a punk. He's <laughs> punk. He, he's, he's super jerky to his girlfriend, but she just has these eyes that oh she's just so in love. Do y'all think that men can see that? like the bullshit basically before women only just because everybody can. Yeah. I think, well, well, I would say no differently than women are pretty. I don't know if you've noticed women being pretty hard on other women and questioning of their motives and all that. You know what I mean? They're more sensitive to that. Like they'll tear another woman apart pretty quickly. It's just because they have the experience, you know, maybe just more of the experience with trying to 
analyze this. You know what I mean? Like you, you've tried to get with girls before and put on these. You've tried all the stuff that you're recognizing right. in the other guy. You, you do have some hands-on experience. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's where it comes in for guys. I think women are definitely better at looking at nonverbal communication and deciding that, and reading a room better than guys are. But I think for us as guys, we are in a unique position. Here is a funny example. The other day, uh, my wife Jen was talking on the phone at literally 7 a.m., maybe even before 7 a.m. with her cousin. And her cousin says, yeah, you know, this guy, he, you know, I, I text him and he doesn't reply. And, you know, what, da, 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 what does this mean? What does that mean? And she's like, oh, Jordan's up. Let's ask Jordan. So they asked me a question. What does this mean? What does that mean? And I said, you know, this guy sounds like he's playing a little bit of a game. It sounds like he read some crap on the Internet and now he's just kind of, you know, I, I don't know what he's doing, but he's definitely sort of messing around. He's definitely sort of playing some game. And she goes, I don't think he would do that. And I just thought, <laughs> you're talking about him on the phone at 7 a.m. And you don't think he would do that. Why? Because it doesn't work. It obviously works. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Right. And yeah, totally. it's it was like textbook. Don't reply to the text. You know, like she always, she's like, it takes three days for him to text me back. And then three days for my response. And I'm thinking, yeah, he read that on the internet or he watched a movie or he saw it on Reddit or something. Right. <laughs> like that's what he's doing and it's working. And it's working. I, yeah. I think we all have our own unique blind spots and hers just happens to be, she just doesn't see what's going on. So as a guy, it's painfully obvious when a guy's pulling something out of the old high school toolbox, right? Yeah, yeah. The old college <laughs> toolbox. It's yeah. funny. I think, you often, you I think oftentimes guys uh, can see it and just go, oh, whatever. That guy's a douchebag. Move on. Girls think, I can fix him. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's that. You know what I mean? Like they, they, It's a project. Like Girls are a little bit more forgiving sometimes because they think, well, it'll get better. Or he was nice that one night, and I really liked him and stuff like that. But guys, I think we can just go, oh, who gives a shit? I don't care. Yeah, Move on, dude. Yeah. Your jealousy is really like tuned into that too. And, and it would go for both sexes or for anybody. You're jealous. Like you know what you would do or have done or would try, and you, you feel like you've been able to trick X amount of girls in whatever ways before. Right. And so you're super cl clued in with jealousy. Like if it's a girl you care about, you're tuned up. But if it's somebody or not, you're not. You know what I mean? And, and, and women, I'm sure the same way. They're like, there's a lot of jealousy that they have when they think they recognize something like that. So I think but, that's plus you're it's wired awesome because, that. like, like it, it, in in from, from a guy's standpoint, I mean, Jordan looks awesome compared to that guy now. <laughs> like, you can go, hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, honey, yeah. you don't have to deal with that. Look at me. You know, so we it's like it when guys should, are dumbasses. Yeah. It's funny you should mention that because Jen goes, You never did any of that stuff with me. And I was like, Yeah, it's, I took a different strategy. I'm she's way like, better wait, at it. Different than strategies. That. <laughs> you know? and, and, and she's like, But you wait, you still had a strategy? And I'm like, My strategy was tell her exactly what I'm looking for and then let her decide if that's going to work for her. Because I had already kind of, like you guys said, go through enough BS trick enough women in high school, get over it in college, try to make yourself more mature as an adult man, try to make yourself a little bit more mature, try to be more of a straight shooter, become more of a secure individual. So my strategy went from, I'm going to try to be tricky and get this certain reaction to, look, here's what I'm looking for. Are you kind of with this program? If not, totally cool. Good meeting you, mm -hmm. but I don't have time for that. And that strategy was, was effective but it was still a strategy, nonetheless, yeah. for me to less a strategy for me to get her to to marry me, which ended up happening, and more so a strategy for me to get what I wanted. Yeah. So the strategy that a lot of guys use is, what can I do to get this girl to like me or get in bed with me or whatever? Whereas then, when we mature as men, 
our strategy tends to become what can I do to screen the right people into my life that are going to be a good fit? So and in, that's more powerful. So integrity and strategy aren't necessarily opposed, whereas in her mind, she may have those conflated a little bit. So wait a minute, you had a strategy. You mean a trick or a manipulation or something that's negative, but your strategy was based in having integrity and being direct and being honest, which is Exactly, nice. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think a strategy, you're right, a strategy really is kind of a neutral term. You can have mm-hmm. a strategy that's like, all right, I'm going to go and make friends with this guy and then I'm going to steal all his guitars. That's a strategy that's negative, right? You'd be upset about that. But if my strategy was, I'm going to go and make friends with this guy because I love his music and then I'm going to spread it as far as I can and then I'll be able to sit in the front row at all the concerts, I don't think you'd be upset that that was a strategy that I had, right? Right. You'd be like, wow, I'm really flattered that you actually bothered to do that. Yeah. And and I think so. I think strategy itself is neutral. It sounds inauthentic because Mm -hmm. it's deliberate. It hits somebody's tripwire for sure. Just that exactly. it exists, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just want to be very clear that I, I don't think things are inauthentic because they're not unplanned. I think thinking that everything in your life is going to be unplanned and having that be the, the measuring stick for whether or not you're doing things in an authentic way is ridiculous. Nobody starts a business and goes, all right, I'm not going to plan anything. So if it works, it was meant to be, and if it fails, then at least I tried, but not really tried because that would involve a plan so right. I mean, that would be the dumbest possible way to start a business or a family or build a house or pretty much any project. Mm-hmm. And yet when it comes to relationships, us guys and girls are much – somehow we, some of us have decided that having a, any kind of plan or strategy is negative. And, yeah. and to me that's ridiculous. It's a, it's a yeah. lack of self-awareness and it circles back to something you said before uh, about internalizing or people being able to be in tune with reality. That's really what it is. So if you are – internalizing enough, if you are introspective is the word you used, if you are, are introspective enough, you'll find that you have strategies and goals and plans and selfishness running in all the time. It's just, if you're aware of it and articulate it, it all of a sudden starts to sound bad. But for sure, if you examine yourself well enough and are in tune with it, you'll find that everything you say has an intent and a goal and a strategy. You know, But people don't like to live there sometimes or aren't that comfortable being that introspective. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, it's it sounds like you're hey, right. so f- always some kind of ul- ulterior motive right. or something like that. But it's not that there's not that that's well, a really good point. Is. To yeah. Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it that that's not necessarily negative, right. like you were saying. Exactly. Like I, I like thinking that way. Like you can make plans even in relationships, and it will be better. Like your your marriage is better off because you told her exactly what you were looking for, and she was able to to know and decide what she wanted. Like you gave her that opportunity, as opposed to like sounds like the other guy with your you know her relative or whatever just playing a game and who knows what's going to happen so so you've got on on the art of charm.com the art of charm promise uh, daily techniques to control more outcomes at home and work command more respect from your friends team and network video tactics to create deep connection master people by the ability to walk up to anyone and develop a conversation what are people's next steps uh, with getting connected with you and uh, are there any similarities with what you do? Uh, this is going to be a trippy question. And the 2005 movie Hitch, where you see well, Will Smith before he had his transformation and how he was through the whole movie. That's funny you should mention Hitch. Hitch was written by my business partner's friend. Are you and, Yeah. And he was like, hey, I'm writing this movie about kind of what you guys are doing. It's not about you guys. Da-da-da. And we're like, great, fine, whatever. And then it was like, 
Will Smith was in the movie, and I thought, damn, I wish I'd paid more attention <laughs> yeah. when he said he was writing a screenplay, because that's so cool. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't start The Art of Charm as a business by that point, right? We were just messing around with this stuff, talking about this stuff. Our friends knew about it, but it wasn't like... It wasn't like we had this going and go. And I thought, man, I would have loved to have hung out with Will Smith for a minute as he plays <laughs> essentially an AOC coach from the early days, you know? Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of similarity in their early days. And it was written with us in mind, in part, of course, only in That's part. That's pretty cool. That's uh, pretty with cool. us in mind. But we don't write about that because we actually used to have on the website, you know, modern day hitch or something like that, or real life hitch. And the studio was like, hey, you can't do that. And we said, well, the screenplay was kind of written about what we're doing. And they were like, that may be true, but you can't associate your brand with our brand. And we just went, oh, okay, fine. You know, but it's kind of a shame because we're like, hey, you know, I'd love to be able to say, Will Smith played me in a movie, no big deal. <laughs> that's good. That's hey, good. Well, that's really, yeah, that's great. All right, Jordan, we'll let you get out of here. It's great having you back again. But so, you guys, just the last thing, just give you guys a little promotion and, and help people understand. You guys do coaching sessions and live events and Art of Charm podcasts, all kinds of stuff. And they can find out everything they need to at artofcharm.com. Is that right? Yeah, artofcharm.com is where we're at. And then, but mostly I just think, look, like rather than going to the website and be like, enter your email mm-hmm. for blah, 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 just listen to the show. Art podcast, of Charm podcast is the front door for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're already listening to a podcast. So yeah. I would say, hey, look, you know, if you like audio content that's quality, I'd like to think we have some of that. Joey was on the show before. That's coming yeah. out pretty soon. Yeah. So you can listen to us embarrass ourselves on that one. In the coming weeks, uh, I was thanks, the only guys. one that did the embarrassing, man. <laughs> yeah, no, all good. I I love it. Thanks, guys, for having me back on. I appreciate it. Really cool to dive into other topics. We we got into our venting about the alt right, and then that was like, and time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I all right, Jordan. It. Great having you back, man. Yeah, Bye, man. Guys. Thanks for your time. Thank Take you. Take care, guys. See ya. Okay. Jordan Harbinger from the Art of Charm back on the podcast. Enjoyed that very Such much. Such a Thank smart you, dude. Jordan. Yeah. Such a smart, smart. That's man. right. All right. Well, after something like that, I think we need to have some some damn truth here, don't we? Yeah, I guess that's probably the. Well, I mean, we've kind of left we've kind of left off on a pretty high note. I don't think it's necessary no, no, this no, time. No, so no, let no, me no, talk no. about the BC Club. No, no, no. I mean, don't you think we need to do some truth first, or you want? Well, I mean, do Jordan Club gave or? us a lot of truth. I mean, how much truth uh, can you take for one day? It never uh, ends with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, uh, that's true. In a world where Joey, have you ever tried pizzazz sports drink? It makes you a better athlete, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about it with you after the show. <laughs> pizzazz sport drink. It makes you the athlete you've always dreamed of. And what right. you really need to do is not sell the sports drink, but get other people to sell the sports drink. But they don't need to really sell the sports drink. Those people just need to get other people to sell the sports drink to other people. But even those people don't really need to sell the sports drink. They just need to get other people to sell the sports drink. Yes. Yes. And that's why. Well, hey, real, qu- real quick, you BC clubbers out there, the, the organization keeps growing. You guys keep conquering different problems in the world together as a team. And I want to welcome these folks to the BC Club. It's Rick Binky, but it's spelled B-E-H-N-K-E, so it could be Bink. I just don't know. So, Rick, thank you. We have Shane 
and that speaks for itself because he didn't send his last name. Daniel Moore, Michael Neff, Daniel Aaron Rapp the second, Jimmy T. Jacobson, and Keith Glinsky. Thanks for going to thebcclub.com. And I, I, I'll tell you, Matt and Toby, this. I didn't tell you all this, but a few weeks ago when we were in audio feed, I have people that come up to me and said, hey, man, I'm a BC Clover, but I haven't heard my name on the podcast yet. And I'm like, well, when did you join? They're like, oh, in the past month. I'm like, hold your <laughs> damn horses. <then." laughs> I mean, my gosh. <laughs> At 7.30 this morning. Right. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, this I got a good news story for you guys today, and this comes from yournewswire.com. And I'm not sure. I didn't. I don't remember. A few people might have sent this to me, but I can't remember. So if you roving reporters sent it to me, uh, let me know. I'll try. Hey, to Toby. Make it up thanks to for you. telling us that this story is a good one. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Very professional. Uh, women absorb and retain DNA from every man they have sex with. Wow, that's interesting. That's got me interested. Women retain and carry living DNA from every man with whom they have had sexual intercourse, according to a new study by the University of Seattle, Matt. The study, which discovered the startling information by accident, was originally trying to determine if women who have been pregnant with a son might be more predisposed uh, to certain neurological diseases that occur more frequently in males. But as the scientists picked apart the female brain, the study began to veer wildly off course. As it turns out, the female brain is even more mysterious than we previously thought. How can that be? (laughs) Females are the most mysterious brains in the history of the universe. The study found that female brains often harbor male microchimerism. I guess that's the way you say it, maybe. Uh, Or male, male microchimerism. Uh, or in other words, the presence of male DNA that originated from another individual and are genetically distinct from the cells that make up the rest of the woman. According to the study, 63% of females uh, tested harbored male uh, microchimerism in the brain. Uh, wow. And male microchimerism was present in multiple brains. So 63% of women carry male DNA cells that live in their brains. Obviously, the researchers wanted to know where that came from. Anyone care to guess? From their women's fathers? Nope. Your father's DNA combines with your mother's to create the DNA. So mm-hmm. through the study, they found that it wasn't pregnancy. It wasn't from their fathers. It came from women who had had sex with men, and they were finding this DNA in the women's brains. Yeah, I thought that crazy. Now, this is interesting thought here because, uh, you know, the church has always said, hey, be careful who you sleep with and don't have sex before marriage. Only, you know, and, and now it's scientifically showing up that you – I mean, you have all the if you have sex before marriage with different partners, uh, you end up having some of their DNA left with you. Like you're Toby somewhat crazy connected with them. Yeah, forever. It's, it's crazy you say this because I was told as a teen, and this was more of an admonition to the females in youth group, but basically they said when you have sex with a guy, there is a part of you that you can never get back, and there's a part of them that you can never get rid of. And it was it was somewhat done in a scare tactic, but it was also yeah, yeah. done as you just don't go around having sex because that is a deeper mm. thing that you cannot rid yourself of. It's interesting that now, Matt, do you have a, a, a any kind of like scientific uh, take on this that it, it doesn't matter that they end up with the male DNA? Does that does that well necessarily I, mean anything to their brain function or anything? Probably not. No, I mean it doesn't seem like there's any real consequence to it that we know of. It's a creepy thought a little bit, but it's all it's it's known that I've heard that before with women who ha- have sons. Like I, that's I've heard of this yeah. concept before. 
the DNA of the child is intermingled with that of the mom and like, for instance, the bloodstream you're saying in the brain. But I, I'm aware right. that you can do a lot of genetic well, stuff and find out stuff. Yeah. There's even new uh, things in pregnancy now where you can go ahead and test the DNA of the child early just by getting it out of the mother's blood. So, you know, it, it's, it's probably that is probably what it's more like, but somehow, you know, yeah. I mean... It's really bizarre, and it takes me to one of my weirdest theories, which is babies are disgusting. Oh, my God. That's your theory? <laughs> yeah, that, it is. Um, now, babies are, are definitely my favorite thing, but I'm saying this whole, it's just so yeah. weird. Like, why is this such a big deal? Like, if you found out somebody else's DNA in you, it creeps you out. I'm just saying yeah. these things are creepy, right? Like, what is one of the worst substances that you could get, let's say, thrown on you? Let's say you had sperm. Uh, okay, vomit, <laughs> sperm, blood, yeah. poop, right. right? These those are the things that right. are you don't you don't want a stranger on you, right? Yeah. And then what's one sorry if this is gross, but what's one of the worst uh things that females do that is also gross that you don't want you wouldn't want from a stranger would be their uh, period and tell, stuff like that, which oh, which I thought is, you were gonna say, tell me about their grocery list. No, uh, and I'm oh. being I'm being scientific. I'm not being scientific here. I'm just I'm I'm being technical though. We generally hold those things as taboo. So two of the biggest taboos right. possible are period blood and jizz. I mean, if you right. want to say, you can say I'm super gross if you want to, or you can say I'm super technical. But those things are very very gross. And like a uh, for instance in the. A period is the shedding of an, an egg and some of the lining of the uterine wall and yeah. things like that, right? Well, there is no other ingredients to a baby other than jizz and period. Yeah, <laughs> That's what they're made of. Like when you say, right. you know, girls and bo- are made from sugar and spice and everything nice and boys are made of puppy dog tails and snails. Whatever. Right. No, all humans are made out of periods and jizz. That's not true. That's what we're made That's out not of. Even, that, not what are the true. ingredients for a, a baby? Joey thinks there, they come there are from no sports. other ingredients. Those are the so only two So they're made of vaginal lining. No, the egg. But I'm saying very, pretty much very okay. close. Okay. No, but part part of the period is the egg flushed out. That is basically what's okay. going on. So basically, the two grossest things on earth make a baby. Is my You're point. wrong. So I'm saying that whole and see Joey's acting all you know right, religiously taboo about it because it makes I'm you feel not weird. Made from menstruation. Yes, you I'm are. Made from my mom's egg right? and my dad's which is, sperm. Which is exactly what I said. I'm made of uterine lining. No, but you're one of the components That's of a period. period. One of the components of period. One of the main components. Blood and uterine lining. That your comes reaction out. to this is proving my point. Now, my Busted. reaction is just that you're wrong. That's it. You're Joey, just wrong. The main ingredients to a period are uterine lining and an egg. The whole point you of the period is to flush out is? the egg, and that's you what know you're how made tiny of. That egg is. So that bothers that you egg, that bad that you can't. No, it you just can't bother stand me. I'm just it. saying. I, I, I'm not bothered. You're just wrong. No, That's I'm it. not wrong. Uh, uh, well, Matt, let me give you a little context. Let me give you a little context. When we used to live in a dormitory, Joey's like, you know what? It doesn't really bother me that people probably like jack off in the shower because sperm, uh, I'd way rather step in sperm than poop or pee because sperm is just protein. He 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 doesn't think I it's that crazy. That. <laughs> yes, you well, did. anyway, you what I'm saying is, those, is cleaner than, all those ingredients are Sperm is cleaner than poop or pee. Yeah, I did say that. You'd rather have it on you than poop or pee. So what all I'm, I'm sa- all I'm saying is we are the result of an egg. Yes, which is and gross. The egg that and the egg has almost nothing to do with the menstruation. It's That's in the, the uterine it's, it's lining. It's in every. It's the point of a period, and it's in every period. Anyway, moving on from that, my point is the taboos are do very. You want to str- just go on the record and say you're wrong right now? No, not at you all. You're made of uterine lining. That's what comes out of a I vagina. I said egg. 
egg. You're made out of the egg from a period is what you're okay, made so out of. When a so when a woman takes her tampon out, she's just like, let oh it go. Gosh, you see that egg? Let, I'm not trying to be gross or vulgar or gross you I'm out. Just either. chill out. I'm saying these are the things. These are the areas. These are the taboos. These are things that we almost hold sacred that people get real tense about really, really quickly. And it's because they're very, very important. So if I'm circling all the way back to this article, I'm saying that the idea of DNA from one person being in you or part of you very profound. That's a big deal right, well, to humans. So next time, really next is. time my wife has her period, I'm going to say, I'm so sorry about all that blood and that egg mm -hmm. that you're dealing with right now. You understand well, that's I mean, the whole point of a way, period the is to flush out the, the egg. egg. You're right, crazy. but I mean, all that stuff stays in when you get pregnant. So it's all there. You're around it. I think Matt knows that a sperm impregnates an egg, but I'm just, but I, I think, think all I the think stuff I'm, that I, I comes could be out wrong. of a woman is... Is all around the baby. Yeah, I'm just saying right? this. The, all of these things, and I'm just saying the ingredients for a for a baby, a human baby, is made out of disgusting ingredients. There's no other ingredients to them other than things we find gross. That's my point. I think that's quite interesting. Now, that's for me, who th loves babies more than anybody on the world in the world. I think it's hilarious that they're made out of the grossest shit you can imagine. I wish I had a thought bubble over Reva's head right now. Just go, oh, three white guys talking about <laughs> women's periods. Great. <laughs> this is awesome. Sorry, Reva. Sorry, ladies out there. That was an interesting story. Now we all need a blessing, and it comes from a reading of God's Word. It says, Lie with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to produce offspring with your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he lay with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. Mm, if I had a nickel for every time I did that. It was wicked in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death also. And y'all may be saying, why you, why you guys got to be nasty on BC? Because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Go and spill your seed no longer. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.